0: For me personally, when I show up on the podium, I know that I've done my homework and I'm secure in that. And I know that I've, you know, I've conducted orchestras before, good ones, not as good ones. Um, And so I have all of these experiences that I can draw on and that, you know, I can make the rehearsals work, I can make the concert work. And yeah, I I know that.
1: Um, I'm talking to the conductor and composer, William Walker, Good morning, William.
0: Good morning. How are you?
1: I'm fine, thank you. It's so lovely to speak to you again on Zoom. Likewise. And I, I, you must be in Vienna at the moment with that lovely I am. background <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: That's... This
0: this is it's it's nice to be back in being.
1: That's great. So because you you yeah. travel from America to Vienna and, and all over Europe. Um to to do concerts, isn't that right? That's right. But yeah. How, how do you find the this way of doing it? Is it the same type of audiences that you attract, say in in Europe than in America?
0: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's it's um, I, I I guess I guess so. I mean, of course, every everywhere has different people, you know. There, but but the one common the one common thread between everyone. Um, that's going to to concerts it's classical music and and you know the the joy of seeing class uh, classical orchestra on stage or an opera in in on on the stage as well or in the pit the opera orchestra and um yeah it's it's you you i i've been getting yeah i I guess you could say uh, about the same type of audience the classical music lover um and also non-traditional audiences in vienna Um, With the Novo Orchestra Veen, it's been one of our main goals to try to reach out to um, everyone. Yeah, The people who have the ABOs, the subscription subscription tickets, but then also to people who think, well, um, maybe the concert hall is not for me. Um, But um, yeah, of course, we say, no, it is for you also, and you should come. And generally, they do enjoy it.
1: Well, I must say, uh, you've you've invited me to some of your concerts already here in Wien. And um, on one occasion, I brought my brother with who is actually uh, not a great um, or he doesn't have great interest in classical music, yet he loved the, the concert. He loved being there. The whole program that you had was for him so wonderful. Um, it still talks about this. So, um, so you did something right that evening.
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. That's exactly what, what we're looking to do. Um, we, we want to reach out to people who, you, you know, they, they, for whatever, whatever reason, it's many reasons, many different reasons for many different people think, well, maybe I don't go to the concert hall because I don't like that, or it's not for yeah. me, or, you know, there are all types of things and that people say or, or think and, and you know just give it a chance and um it's yeah it's it's good music and it's a good experience mm-hmm. i hope and so that's what we try to offer some type of experience that people will enjoy something uh, unique
1: yeah i like that approach that you have um that you that you also uh, want to accommodate people who are not necessarily uh, you know concert goers yeah. but now um william i like I said, I've been to some of your concerts, and but I'm so intrigued now, and I've never spoken to you about this, but um how did your um, path in music start? what What inspired you um to firstly become a musician and then also a conductor?
0: Well, um it's it's actually um, a very typical path, I guess you could say for in, for a musician in in the States. I'm from the US, of course. And um, I started in in the school system. My 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 parents are not musicians. I don't come from a family of, of musicians, but they do appreciate music, um, all types of music. And um, so my mother signed me up to the strings class, and so I was given. Well, I, I was first given the violin, and I said, "No, I want to play the bigger one." and then they gave me a cello at the time. I wanted to play the double bass, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the cello was the biggest one in the room. And so I said, okay, I, I, I have the big one now. Um, uh, and I'm very happy for that because the cello is such a fantastic instrument. And uh, yeah. And, but, um, that's, that's how I got started just playing the, playing the cello and strings class. And at the same time I signed up for the band. And so I played saxophone in the band and, and then I, I was just always curious about um, all of the different instruments that, or in the orchestra, um, you know, you, you listen to, I would, I would listen to a recording of Stravinsky's Firebird and I'd hear this incredible oboe solo and think, well, I want to do that. And um, mm-hmm. then I, I'd hear the horn and I'd say, well, I want to do that. And I'd hear, you know, different instruments and say, well, I want to do that. And, um, well, I, I did actually start taking, uh, start learning how to, to play other instruments as well because I wanted to, you know, to play many different instruments um, because I I just thought that it was, it was incredible to hear these different sounds and, different places. Um, But of course, one can't do all of them at once, Um, uh, you know, like physically playing each instrument. And so I I was also studying composition and writing pieces here and there. Um, And and now we're talking in high school and cello was still really my main instrument. And I would play other instruments on the side um, just to, you know, kind of get an inside look into it. Um, and then I was a student at the Interlochen Arts Academy, which is a boarding arts high school in northern Michigan um, that has many different arts disciplines, um, from dance, theater, um, to motion picture arts or filmmaking, um, and creative arts such as visual arts and writing, but of course music, and all of the facets of music. And so um, I was playing solo cello in the orchestra one day. And um, it was for the conducting class. And there was a small con- conduct, uh, group of students who were um, studying conducting. And, and um, I, I might have laughed a little bit at how some of them were doing it and, you know, continuous, continuously messing up. And then the teacher said, OK, well, you do it. You get up and you do it oh, okay. <laughs> and, and I made a complete fool of myself. It was so bad. I, I know that it had to have been bad because I, I, knew, I didn't know at all what I was doing, but mm-hmm. he said, okay, um, I'm going to teach you for, for next semester. This was towards the end of the first semester. And so then the, starting in the second semester, he, he, he started teaching me. And so I, I started working with him um, and um, we went through Beethoven Symphony number no. one, I remember, and a few other things. And um, that's how I got into conducting. But in America, it's not like in Europe where you have a bachelor's in conducting that you can do. There is no bachelor's in, con- in conducting in the U.S. Um, you, because the thought is that you should first be very good at an instrument or at composition or music theory or something. And so you major in these other aspects of music and you get a bachelor's in that. And then you go through a very rigorous audition process to get into a master's of conducting program. And then you do the master's and maybe also an artist diploma and or a doctoral degree. And um then you move into the profession, of course, doing summer festivals and master classes as well, um, to augment that education. Um, but for me, I, I then went to Europe. Um and I started I mean, I, I continued studying actually conducting throughout the bachelor's, just not a formal bachelor's in conducting. And then I I um went to your moved to Europe and um, you know really formally studied it and went uh, you know deeper into it um, I was doing still cello and conducting in London before moving to Vienna where I said okay I do just conducting.
1: Amazing but you also said that you did some composition as well.
0: Yes yes I, I've been composing since the very beginning um, because I was always interested in and in, you know how how music works and how you know, putting sound, organizing sounds on a, on a page to, um, you know, create something new. And that was always something very interesting for me. And I, I, I would, uh, you know, I, I'm not a pianist and I would never say that I really studied piano, but I did actually, as my first instrument, play the piano very basically. Um, but I would spend hours, I remember sitting at the piano and, you know, com- you know, just coming up with many different things, um, writing on the piano and, um, you know, many different voices. and, and I, I had an electric piano as a kid, and you could record what you what you played, and then you could make different tracks. And so I, I actually would, you know, sit there and play, you know, create different symphonies uh, sitting there at the piano um, Amazing. Um, with you know, changing the different voices from strings to flute and whatnot. But this was when I was really small. and then I, I started to formally study composition. And, um, you know, then, of course, then you're writing on the page, everything. And, and um, yeah, so actually on the next Nova Orchestra Veen concert, we're doing an early piece of mind. It's I mean, you could say it's a it's a middle early piece of mind, but it's it's one of my first orchestral pieces um, from 2010. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's I, I, I like it. And I, I hope that audiences also like it. It's, it's not always that I like things that I write.
1: Oh, OK, <laughs> are you very yeah. self-critical?
0: Um, i well i I think that one has to be um, because you know I, I I want to make sure that i'm honest and i, I want and what I mean by that is I, what I, what I put forward um, for people to hear in, in now talking about composing, but it can also be for as, for a conductor or for a musician what i what, what i put um, forward for people to hear in the concert um, I, I think has to be of the best quality and when it's not it's it's really you know, it, it really hurts me personally, I, I feel really bad. And I, because I, I feel like I let the audience down, or as a conductor, if the concert didn't go well, I feel like I let the musicians and the audience down. Uh, but as a composer, I, I feel like it's just very, very important that, you know, what you put on the page, and then what you put out into the public is of the top quality possible. Um, you know, of course, maybe you make some revisions later. But um I think that what's offered to the public has to be yeah um, good from the beginning and so i, I try to be critical mm.
1: but as a as a conductor um do you think it's important that you that you have this experience in composing um yeah. you
0: know to 100% you, mm. 100% i i think that it's i i think it's important to understand how the orchestra works um there are a lot of conductors who don't have that experience and i can say from the standpoint of somebody who's played in the orchestra as a cellist Um, professional orchestras also, um, that, um, you know, you can tell when somebody doesn't quite know what you're doing and because they speak to you in a way where it's like, okay, you don't understand how string instruments work or you don't understand how winds work or you don't. And, and, you know, as a composer, when you study composition, orchestral composition, orchestration, um, you you learn how these different instruments work and how they function. You, You learn that you can't just, um, you know, you, you, you learn that you can't just do certain things and you know on, on the page because it, it physically is impossible or very 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 difficult for the musician um, to sit there and do and so I um yeah I think it's incredibly important to understand this because also from there then you can start to understand the music of other composers of Beethoven of Bruckner of Brahms of Mahler of Shostakovich of um Pierre Boulez you know so many different you, you understand you understand how these composers worked um yeah as well because you, you can then go back and look at their music and and you know do an analysis a full analysis of, of their music and and deconstruct it and see um how they came to what they did um yeah. and yeah and then also um, when you when you are a composer yourself and your music is being performed, do you understand that um, you you can or at least for me it's better it's it's easier for me to understand how composers like Stravinsky uh, may say okay I want only what's written on the page to be performed if it's on the page I want this to be there I don't want anything else else added to it to the performance I don't want you to slow down I don't want you to speed up I don't want you to make things shorter or longer. Or louder or softer than what I put on the page. I understand that, but I can also understand how some composers um, w- would also say, "Well, this is the starting point, and I do want you to add, you know, different and make it more personalized. Add more diff, uh, more, um, you know, um, more dot, thought- more dots to the to what what." has already been written you know i I can understand both points of view and they're both two extremes but um it just gives you a better insight into the composer and by having that better insight i believe that it gives you a better uh, performance on the stage as well Um, because then you you have more information to work with and um yeah you can hopefully share more with the audience with the public
1: yeah well i've heard this also from a composer who said that when he finishes his work and he hands it over to the orchestra, um, he releases it. You know, it's, it's not his yep. anymore. Um, yep. uh, you know, so I, I, I can understand also we, what you're saying now that uh, the, it's these two sides that you have, the one control and the other one just releasing it.
0: Yes, exactly. And I'm I'm not I I don't say that one side is more valid than the other because it's, you know, writing a piece of music is very personal. And so, of course, mm-hmm. you want it to be um you, you know, if if you really want what you wrote there, you think okay, every time this is performed, it has to be performed this way because that's a complete representation of me as a composer and somebody will say, "Okay, well you're stupid because you have the horn playing too loud here or because you have you, you, you put the trumpet in a very low register that it shouldn't be in, or that you, you know, the different problems of, of, of balancing in, in orchestration or in, in pacing. Um, I can understand how somebody may come to that, but I, I, I personally am more on the side of, well, you know, the performer hopefully um, will use what I've written as a guide and can add maybe a little bit more to it because i I think that, I, I think that, um, you know, before um, in, in the past, in the 19th century um, and, and before in the 18th century, in the 17th century, in the 16th century, you, you didn't have as much um, as, as much notated on the page. Um, many composers, yeah, they started adding more and more as time progressed. But it, it, in, in some of the Baroque pieces, some of the classical pieces you don't even really have slurs. You don't even really have dynamics. It's just, you know, just notes on on the staff. And um, that's because the composer thought, well, you know, they know that if it's written like this, it should be slurred, it should be connected. If they know that if it's written like this, then this should happen or that that should happen. And they'll have enough time to have rehearsals that they can also talk to each other. And, and I will be there and I can tell them directly how it's supposed to go. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, now that since the 20th century with music becoming more global um, and with composers not always being there when it's performed or, you know, even more rarely being there when it's performed um, or, you know, being long gone when it's performed. Yeah. it's it's good to have a lot of details already on the page, but I think that this is still just the starting. I mean, for me personally, for my music, it's it's the starting point. But I I do try to respect the wish of the composer. And when when it's Stravinsky, I know that what he what he wrote on the page is the way that he really wanted it to be, and that he didn't want anything added to it. But when it's another composer, um, well then yeah, you can add maybe uh you know dynamics here or maybe you can add slurs there or you can you can add you can try to pace it at your at, at the way that you want it to go um it doesn't have to be mechanical i mean, i don't think it should be mechanical either but i know that he really wanted it to be um, yeah. in a way because he thought that if you just play what he wrote that's expressive enough mm-hmm.
1: But now, well, you ha- you said that you, as a child you were so inquisitive to all the sounds and, and all the sounds of the different instruments. Do you think also this helps you when you compose, when you um, and also when you conduct that you um, you know that you hear these uh, sounds also that you you are sort of in tune to to these instruments.
0: Well, well, yeah, you have to be, it's, 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 it's a, it's a requirement that you have to, you have to know how you have to know all of the different sounds of the orchestra, the different instruments and you have to know how they relate to each other. You have to know, um, you know, like when, when you're balancing a chord between a clarinet and an oboe, how to do so, you have to understand, um, you know, how the natural tendencies of the instruments work of the orchestra and you have to understand, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, you, you, it's, I, I think that, I think that it's, a, it's a requirement that you know as much as possible and that you hear as much as possible um, mm-hmm. to, to do this. Because every instrument, if in a professional orchestra, every instrumentalist in front of you is a, you know, an expert in their field. They're, they're, so you're, you're walking into a room of experts and you go and you stand on the podium and the experts know when you don't know.
1: <laughs> oh, okay.
0: <laughs> and so you have to know yeah yeah
1: is this intimidating is uh is this-
0: i i mean i mean in the beginning in the beginning as a young conductor when when you don't know a lot and and you also don't know what you don't know then mm. <laughs> but you know that you know this though that you, you that there's there are things that you simply don't know um, then it, it can be intimidating, but you know, uh, the more experience that you have working with orchestras, the more the experience that you have, you know. Well, I mean, more knowledge that you have from from reading um, about how the instruments work, from speaking to the experts, the musicians. Uh, so I, I mean, it's it's just one of those things where the where you just have to you have to know as much as possible. Um, yeah. The 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 musicians, you know, they're experts. On, and on their instruments and they've many of them when you're a young conductor have been playing in orchestras since before you were born and so they're you know they have also these years of experience on, in front of you but you know the more the ex- experience that you have working with orchestras the more knowledge that you collect the you know the less intimidating it becomes um, and the more that, for me personally when I show up on the podium I know that I've done my homework and I'm secure in that, and I know that I've, you know, I've conducted orchestras before, good ones, not as good ones, um, and so I have all of these experiences that I can draw on, and that you know I can make the rehearsals work, I can make the concert work, and yeah, I I, I know that, um, but I I also know that there are some conductors, um, you know, really really famous ones that you know you'd know their name, um, everybody would know their name. Um, who were so shy because it's, it's such a personal craft as well. Um, that before the first rehearsal, they would be in their dressing room vomiting because really? they were so, so, so nervous about, you know, how, how is this going to go? Will the orchestra like me? Will they dis will they not like me? Will I mess up this or will this go well? Because it's also a thing of being self-critical. And yeah. so, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm also self-critical and, you know, I, can be nervous as well but at the same time i am very confident in you know the fact that i i will go to the podium prepared and that this will you know be enough
1: yeah is it also uh, more comfortable or more or do you also feel more confident when it's your orchestra or are you really with any orchestra um comfortable because some people well, some uh, conductors um Especially with competitions, you are put into, say, for example, an orchestra that you don't know.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you, you can. You have to read the room that you're walking into, and so if you walk into a room of sharks, then I don't think that anybody is com- comfortable walking walking into a room of sharks. I mean, there it's happened to me before that I have visited some orchestras where every literally everybody is angry, and it's. And, you know, this is a guest conducting um, opportunity that I'm talking about, but, you know, it's it's because they're angry at the situation. Maybe there's some problem with the way that, the, that it's being run or that they're unhappy with their normal conductor or that they're unhappy with the way past conductors have treated them or the way, you know, something else. Or maybe just they have a bad situation in their city or you know, there are many different things because, you know, it's it's a collection of, of people. It's a, of, yeah. And so everybody has their own their own thing. And so, of course, in this situation, you, you just have to um, try to make it, um, you know, you have to try to make the best of the situation. And and in my experience, if, if you show up and you're prepared and you're serious about the music, then, you know, all of these other things go away because people are drawn into that. They're drawn mm-hmm. in because at the end of the day, you know, even though we're all human, we all who sign up to do music do it for a reason we do it because we love it we believe in it and even if we've been doing it for many many years and, be, and some people become a little jaded over time um you know it's still in there that the reason why you do music is for music it's to it's to express something different. yeah and I, I mean yeah, i mean i i feel i feel that you know as long as you as you go with this, then, you know, you can make any situation into a comfortable situation.
1: Yeah. Now, well, um, tell me, you said now that you started in America and, and in school already, you had this exposure to orchestra, to, to all these different um, uh, instruments. Do you think nowadays that is? um, the case that children have this exposure or do you think there can more can be done for children to um to get this exposure to music and classical music and and all these different instruments
0: well i i think for certain and ev- everywhere in the world more can be done i mean you there's not there's there's never a case where you know, already enough is, you know, where it's where this is the end, you know, you can reach that. But, as said, um, you know, there are places where you um, have more that's being done already than in other places. And so, um, you know, I was very fortunate to have been in a place w- growing up where the local symphony orchestra um, would offer this strings program, you know, for free. You didn't have to pay for it. You, you show up into the, into the classroom, or you sign up for it, and it's, it's a class. And just enough like going to algebra. So you show up and you go to strings classes, what they called it. Um, and you learn how to play a string instrument. And if you couldn't afford to buy one, then you could rent one for $50 a year. $50 a year, you could rent a string instrument from the, from the symphony. And if you couldn't afford that, then you could also have a waiver so that you get an instrument. So, you know, this Uh is something that's really a luxury, I I think. And I I don't know, I'm sure that there has to be somewhere else that does something similar, but I don't know of anywhere else that does a program like that. And, you know, this was, they'd offer you this opportunity after they've already, you know, allowed, they they already, um, you know, would put kids on the school bus to go to the concert hall to hear the orchestra perform and so you know the this this was a great opportunity a great exposure um that they offered us and um yeah so i, I mean I, I feel fortunate for that and of course there are other places where there isn't a local symphony orchestra mm-hmm. and where there isn't you know really an opportunity to learn how to play music and so then i i think it's incumbent on the nearest symphony orchestra to go to these different places mm-hmm. and to play community concerts or no concerts for the community i should say um, for that the does not the, the communities that don't have orchestras i think that it's that it's really our jobs as musicians to um, offer this because yeah if we don't then you know people do ask the question well why why well, what's the purpose of an orchestra
1: yeah and it's also um about the appreciation of the music not necessarily that these kids would become musicians but that they exactly um, that they get the appreciation for for the music and i totally agree with you i think it's it's really um the responsibility uh, well i think more people can take responsibility but i think the orchestras can initiate it because it's sometimes a, a question of you are there at the forefront so you you have the possibility to um to do something and to to um give children the opportunity to see and to hear the music.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, mm-hmm. I think that I think that we as musicians um, sometimes can be too complacent and believing, well, you know, there's always been a symphony. There's always been an orchestra. There's always been an opera. And that yeah. it will always be there. And um, it won't be if you don't share it with people. If you, yeah. if you and so I, I think that it's really, important that we do that and that we don't just live in our own worlds you know of you know this is i I live in a classical music world and everybody around me is a classical musician and i speak to classical musicians and then all of a sudden the government cuts you know funding for the orchestra and then you wonder why um and and, you know sometimes they do do it and then you actually do have to wonder why because they're doing really fantastic work but if the orchestra is you know having 40 percent attendance and they're not you know making an effort with the community then you know and and the politicians haven't really had the opportunity to get to know m- music as well because they weren't making a an effort then exactly. you you know then it's then it you know for them i i can kind of understand why why they would say well should we spend money on this um, yeah. you know is it right for them to do it no it's not right for them to to cut the orchestra but i can understand where that thought process comes from and so i think you know from that standpoint that is very 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 incumbent on us very important for us to um you know to always make an effort to you know make concerts more accessible and easily more more easily to be attended by everybody and you know to make it to to be as relevant as possible to the communities in which we live that now what happens in Vienna is going to be very different than what happens in Berlin or very different than what happens in Paris or in, in in Prague or in New York or San Francisco or Tokyo. I mean it has to be tailored for the community that we live in. But you know I think that we have to we have to think about this and and you know just to be clear, I'm not speaking poorly of any organization at this moment. I'm talking about the industry as a whole. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I totally agree with you. And I think it's um I mean, we're we saying Vienna and we think Vienna, everybody um, has the opportunity, but I've actually spoken to um, a musician who said that when he was in school, he was the only one in, the, in his year um, doing music, uh, you know, doing a, a music yep. exam. And i found that so shocking to think in a city like Vienna, that was possible. I'm talking now to uh, about higher, higher, um, you know, like the higher schools. But um, yeah, yeah, so I think we should not we should not think uh, or just assume that uh, yeah. everybody has this exposure, you know, so.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, Vienna is a lot better than many other cities in, in the exposure to classical music. But still, when stories like that happen, then it's clear that there are some, you know, that there are some cracks in the system. Yeah. Um, that need to be addressed. And, you know, I, uh, you, you know, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, also now speaking about my American experience, there are some orchestras um, that I, I know of where there are some donors that have, you know, that support the, or- because in, in America, the the arts are mostly supported by private sponsors, whether it be companies or individuals and the state doesn't really do anything. Um, the, the National Endowment of the Arts, which is what supports all of the arts in the country, including Hollywood, and you, you can imagine how big the budgets for Hollywood movies are, $150 million. And that sounds like, it sounds like a lot of money, mm-hmm. but when you look at it where one orchestra may have a budget of $50 million, mm-hmm. and there are, you know, many, many, many orchestras and then, you know, uh, one Hollywood picture may have a budget of 300 million, twice as much as the entire it, or, you know, a, a museum may have a, a budget, an annual budget of, you know, many millions. I mean, it's or, or the Metropolitan Opera, 500 million. It's, it's really nothing. And so, you know, they rely on private sponsorships there um, to carry the arts. Um, and there have been, you know, certain some donors who say, well, I support the orchestra. Not because I like it. I've heard it actually quite a lot. That they a lot, a few different people saying that they support it. Not because they like it, but because they know it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, that's that's really great. But you you get every generation fewer people saying that. Um, and that's I I think directly attributed to um, you know uh, classical music going further and forth, further out of the spotlight. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that I think that we have to um, we have to really make more of an effort. Even when we are doing uh, uh, making a big effort, I think we have to do even more to yeah. um, reach everybody so that they see, okay, this is what classical music is about. Mm-hmm. And I was recently at a concert um, of an orchestra, a European orchestra in Germany, um, and they gave they gave a family concert. Uh, not a fan, uh, an educational concert. They had school children come into the concert hall, and they went into so much detail about the string instrument. But really, you know, people under ten—it was ten and under. It seemed like maybe they were even younger than that. I don't know. Um, but you know, they would say, "Okay, well, this is the violin, and this is what happens when you when you pluck. It's called plucking when you use your fingers and." Um, this is how you tune the instrument and you know you use this little small thing and it's called a mute and it changed the sound and yeah they went into so much detail and normally you know you're told don't go into so much detail with the child because they don't have the you know the ability to really follow it but i was watching them and they were following it they were really into it and yeah I'm, I, I doubt that many of them are going to walk away knowing everything that they just learned. They, but if they take away one or two different things from this, then it's, then it's you know, already a exactly. win.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and, you know, too often, um, orchestras will, well, you know, will have this educational concert. And then the principal musicians say, well, this will be my day off. Um, the solo musicians will say, you know, they won't take, they won't play for that concert or the principal conductor won't conduct that concert, but we'll give it to, you know, an assistant or to a, a guest conductor who isn't really, you know, experienced. And, you know, they won't have a world-class soloist there. But this concert, they had all of these things. They had their, their full orchestra with the full, you know, the principals, the solo musicians. They had a world-class violinist there. And, and then- they had... A- very fantastic conductor with a, a you know a big international presence and and you know i'm sure that that had a, a major impact on those children and so i, I mean and th- this is something this is a story of them doing something correctly um, and i think that this is how we all have to do it we have to treat educational concerts just like it's the big subscription series
1: i totally agree with you and you know what? Uh, you you were talking about just you know uh, the the strings and the plucking the strings, and uh, I remember teaching um, uh, in a school in in the UK, and um, and I one day I took a violin with it was just for a sort of an interesting little moment that I you know showed the children, and they were probably half of the class have never seen a a real violin. Uh, like that and i was i was actually so surprised because i would i was thinking wow this is you know the uk and and you would think some children would have seen an an instrument like that and yeah it was it was very interesting but um like you say that's the way to do it you know to to sort of break it down for them and and give them something that they can that can make them inquisitive to go again or to, to find out more. And maybe it's that one moment that inspires a child to start playing or just another child who, who just have interest in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. It's just exposure.
1: Exactly. I I
0: think that it's not only for children, I think for adults too, Yeah, because many adults don't have it, have this exposure. And if, if you can, if, you know, if, if you can go, you know, at, at, at an eye level mm-hmm. and, you know, not talking, I'm, you know, the concert hall um, and the fan, uh, great orchestra. And so I have to reach out to you and to teach you, you know, I have to educate you. No, but to, to go and, and say, you know, this is how what I do works yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know, people are interested in it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I know personally, I don't like it when somebody speaks down to me, I, I immediately shut off and i know that many many people are the same way and so you know even though maybe good in um, you know we have to make sure that we are speaking at an eye level
1: yeah well, no, that's true but now yeah. will um, tell me what are the wishes now for you for the future um,
0: well well we have a we have coming up on the 11th of march a concert in the concert house the Novo orchestra vienne um, and i and we have a fantastic guest soloist coming, Narek Haknazaryan, a really fantastic cellist, um, who's the winner of the, the 2011 Tchaikovsky competition, a gold medal. And this is one oh, of wow. the major competitions of the world um, with a lot of historical significance. And, and he's you know, the gold, the gold medalist of 2011, and they don't have this competition every year. Um, well, he's coming to play the tchaikovsky Rococo variations with us. Oh, wow. um, and the rest of the program will feature um, a, a work by a, a fantastic composer from France, um, Typer, um who is not as well known as she should be. Um, but she, uh, she lived for a very, very long time, most of the 20th century from the early 20th century until the 1980s. And, you know, she, so she knew all of the great French composers of the 20th century and worked in fantastic circles and, Um, We're performing a a work by her, The Small Suite for Orchestra, and we're also performing the First Symphony of Dmitri Shostakovich. Um, This is a work that he wrote for his graduation, a concert from the old Leningrad Conservatory. Um, And it's a work that's very much influenced by the past, by previous composers, by Wagner, by... um, beethoven by brahms and it's it's in, an interesting work it's already a masterpiece it went immediately into into the standard repertoire imagine he was 19 years old when he wrote this and wow. then all the great conductors and great orchestra said well we will start performing this um the first two movements are, are fun and joyous and and funny and they definitely um take inspiration from his time as a pianist writing com- composing and playing for silent police um, oh, okay. In, in the nineteen twenties, um, so yeah. it's that type of kind of silent, silent film music in a way. And then in the third movement, and um, which is always almost always the slow movement. Here it's also the slow movement. Um, it starts off with beautiful melodies, and then there's a moment where you can hear something happen in his life. Don't know what it was, but something happened that profoundly impacted him, and the piece changes, and he becomes very, very serious. It, you can think of it as he went from being a boy, a teenager, to a man in this moment, and the rest of the piece from halfway through the third movement um, to the end, just really you can hear this. And in the fourth movement, um, it's it's like grand opera within yeah. a movement of a symphony. You could think like Beethoven's Ninth, um, just without the choir. It's it's just really you know there's so much there, so much, so much, so many thoughts, and it's a very inventive work. Um, and then we're also performing, as I mentioned earlier, um, an early composition of mine. Um, it's yeah. called A Confused and Troubled Society. Now, this is from 2010, but I feel like it has a lot of, <laughs> it, it feels a lot like it, it, it a lot of relevance no. today as well. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so so I, I think it's an interesting program and I hope that people will enjoy it.
1: Amazing. But you are also always, when you talk about your concerts, it makes it's it's so um it it sounds so interesting and how you describe the music so that's wonderful that you can do that
0: yeah thank you why i I hope that you can come
1: oh i would love to come yeah that would be great Yeah. yeah but well thank you so much for your time um thank you so much for all this this wonderful um and also the inspirational words about the education music education and, and your path, and I'm sure it will inspire as well. And it's so great to hear your story um, because I think it's also important that people understand that, you know, you, you didn't just arrive there. You know, there's a story behind and there's a, a path that you followed and a lot of hard work. And um, um, I'm sure a lot of, you needed a lot of motivation also to get to where you are.
0: Yeah, well, certainly. And it, a lot mm-hmm. of hard work. And I think that it is, it is important that people know this, um, yeah. you know, many, many musicians, especially conductors, you know, at some point try to say, well, I am the great so and so. And, you know, I, I am just really wonderful at music and, you know, all these things. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Even if you were a prodigy, when you were very young, um, you still had to work to become really great. Exactly, um, and mm. it's and and I think it, that it's it's important for the audience. The, I mean, some people, you know, they really buy into the the great myth and they really enjoy this. But I think that you know, when we speak about expanding to expanding our audiences, uh, I I know in, in popular music and in popular culture, when people talk about popular, when when you know, audience members talk about or or the general public, we could say talk mm. about, um. Popular artists or popular actors or you know different things like this, athletes also, you know who are at this very top level, um, you know they 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 first say well they're so incredible with what what they do, but then I find that they're even more interested when they say well you know and 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 you know they said Michael Jordan would never be a basketball player because he was so bad and he had to work very hard to become you know one of the greatest of all time if not the greatest and the same thing with you know other actors um, who you know weren't able to achieve it were 30 or 40, losing auditions or you know or, or you know not even being able to take the uh, be invited to the audition then all of a sudden you know they had you know they had something but you know there's a story of working behind it and I, and exactly. now I think it's important when we talk about expanding audiences that people know that we musicians, we classical musicians are also human and that we also have, you know, these stories behind us.
1: Mm. I totally agree with you and I think and this is why it's so important for me to to uh, ask these questions and uh, and and have this program because I think there are many many cases where, and, and also I think in society now we think everything has to be instant and everything has to happen in about a year or two years time. And you, um, as musicians, you know that it's a long journey and that you start somewhere at a young age and and you know it takes hours and hours of practice and uh, a lots of education to get to where you are um and i think that's very important that people also understand that
0: 100
1: yeah well but have a wonderful um afternoon and thank you so much for your time
0: thank you very much and yeah. it's it's as always a pleasure to be to be here and to be speaking with you
1: it's so lovely yeah thank you so much um and well i hope to see you soon likewise at your concert
0: Hopefully. Eleventh of March. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
1: Okay, well bye.
0: Goodbye.